Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. And the evening news. <laughs> and hi, and welcome to Unsheathed number 68. I'm your host, Kyle Gold. I'm here in our secret mountain bunker with... With uh, what is up, Furry Nation? I am Cam Hirasaki. And on um, Arts and Entertainment, we have a special guest this week. Colson Otter's joining us in the studio. What up? Are you guys on Quaaludes? You're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> we're pretending it's 1970, and we're all very chill. You mean we've just smoked a shit ton of weed? I've <laughs> <laughs> probably got acid, too. That's, uh, that's not what we uh, confess to online on this podcast. But I only have my one drug of choice, and it is sweet, sweet liquid salvation. You mean life? <laughs> yes. Yes. High on life. Like Yosemite Bear, I am high on life. Yes. Yosemite Bear? Yeah. Somebody somebody out there gets the reference. Yosemite okay. Bear? You mean like Yogi? No. Or is that Yellowstone? That's Yellowstone, isn't it? That is it? Yellowstone. That's or Jellystone. Jellystone. Oh, Jellystone. Right. I was going to say. Sorry. And now I can't see it without thinking about that alternate ending. Oh, my God. That was up on, linked up on Weasel Wordsmith. Um. Anyway, we're very glad to have Colson joining us. Thank you, thank um, you. We're all this is a jammy one. Still looking forward to FC, but by I the like time this though. episode is posted, FC will be over. So there's no point in telling any of you about it. We are sure it was an amazingly fun time. We want to thank all of our guests and all the people who came to the live show, and, and all the free wine I got, and yeah, and all the all the Coke Zero, especially the Australian Coke Zero, which was amazing. Thank mm-hmm. you, TJ Falf, for that. And um, all the sex afterwards. Oh, God. Well, yeah. Con- the context was the best yeah, context was, I've ever had. That was pretty awesome. I mean, we keep telling people to stick around after the shows. Yeah. and you know. By the way, that one really tall Will Hung guy, I forget your name, but call me. His name was Coulson. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Kit and I missed most of that. We went back to our room for our own... Uh, <clears throat> so, the... Wow. Uh, cribbage. cribbage. Yes, yeah. yes. They're very cribbage. good at cribbage. So why is cribbage trending among our friends now? Is it? I don't know. Jacoby plays cribbage. Pound cribbage? I don't know. Pound cribbage. Pound cribbage. Nice. I don't know. It just seems like everybody recently, somebody said recently, like, if you were going to be a furry in the Bay Area, like, people would be like, oh, do you know how to play cribbage? Which uh, Really? Yeah, I don't know. I hadn't heard that. I, really I haven't heard that either. either. Jacoby, who plays it. Yeah, I, Ruf- I used Rufus to play likes cribbage, cribbage like and he plays it all time the time, ago. but that's the only other person I, I don't. I don't even remember the rules. It's been that long since I played. Do we have a Bay Area official game, like the thing? There like, was a cribbage tournament at FC at least two years ago. They had well, a there's a, like all kinds of tournaments. Mm-hmm. There's rock band. There's but yeah, Pokemon. but I mean, there's enough people who play cribbage that you can have a con like a con tournament. Based I don't even on know it. what it is. It's cards. Yeah, it's, it's a card game. Game. It's Basically, you have to be able to add and count to fifteen and thirty-one. That's about. That's oh, about. Sad that sounds enough. really hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a pain. Yeah. Otters I like playing. Uh, otters are bad at math because it's hard to count our fingers with all the webbing in the way. Duh. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> I'm outnumbered by otters today. <laughs> all of our special guests are otters. Well, not all of them, but a no, lot of them. Last week we had Don Ryu, who was an That's unspecified true. anime fag. He's a thing, yeah. He's a super saiyan. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe I, <clears throat> I believe he's a white tiger, and certainly not still sitting here in the studio glaring at me. <laughs> um, he stayed the entire week just to glare at you. Yes. <laughs> well, we told him we were going to keep him here. We just didn't say we were going to let him talk every episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're just getting don't a bunch love, of laughter and nothing else. I know. I was going to say, don't you all love the bits of where we all laugh at something that you guys can't see or hear? Um, like half of last episode with all the visual humor. <laughs> anyway, we um, 
we do we do want to thank everybody for and I'm hoping that like the FC didn't go horribly and so but people show up to the live show so thank you all for that um, and we're what else are we talking about this week we didn't really have an agenda we have furry fiesta coming up we will at least uh at least kit and i'll be out there and we hope that yurisaki san will join us as well make it too i'm Um, a little more confident i'm 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 up from 70 percent to 75 percent and that is at the end of february i think last weekend is it it is the last weekend of february and then um after that we've got uh kit and i are talking about trying to get out to fwa um, we think it would be fun. We've had a petition put out by Sai Cheetah that has 15 names on it. And and Donnery will be there. And Donnery will be there, so yeah. And you need a petition to go to a con now. No, we actually were thinking about the con. The petition was for our road trip. We said anybody, any any stop anywhere in the country that could get 15 people to show up at a bookstore. To, so like demand it. Right. You're being demanded. Yes. But we're, we're looking at FWA, so we might be out there. But definitely Furry Fiesta is our next yeah. stop on the road tour. I highly recommend FWA. It's a very well-run con, great location, and it has a fucking Trader Vix in the basement of the hotel. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And you get Would there you on like, Thursday, you can get like all the, what's uh, their signature drink and like the, the, the Mai Tais. The Mai Tais. Yeah. They're like four bucks. Wow. It's so wasted on Thursday when we went originally. I would love to get wasted on Mai Tais like tonight. It's a Trader Vix too. It's, it's so dope. There's and one have, not like, too far from our mountain bunker. That's true, there is. But, I mean, did you ever go to one where it was so convenient where you're in the con hotel and you just went to the basement and you're like, let's go to Trader Vic's and you go every night? Let's well, all pause that for a moment to think about that. Yeah. That alone is worth the cost of admission. <laughs> that alone is worth the trip into Stabtown. It really is. Stabtown. Well, <laughs> yeah, um, we're, we're kind of kind of hesitant about it. I mean, we heard it's a really good con, but um, we'd also heard <sighs> that uh, book sales weren't necessarily all that great there. So and and you know we're trying to figure out how we can get our books out and tell everyone to say, the table. Hey guys. I was just informed by the giant head it's in a different hotel this year, so don't go. Uh, I mean, it's amazing still. <laughs> was that not public knowledge? Wait, it's, I, it's I would assume year. it had better it be it public knowledge be. by now. People are making it's reservations in two and, and a half months. Right. Yeah. So don't look at me like that. <laughs> don't look at me like that. The big giant head. You know, message incoming from the big giant head. You've right. never, oh or God. what on Notcast they call telefucking. Yes, with um, your yeah. Anyway, so we have uh, we have some questions. We got one question, which was for uh, which at least is partially directed for Colson. So I think we can let him read that one, and then the other ones that we have to read will hopefully be entertaining and enlightening. But actually, uh, before we do that, are you going to be anywhere live where people could see you perform anywhere further this year? Are you planning a North American tour? <laughs> I don't tend to perform live. Uh, not that I don't enjoy it, but uh, I'm more of a songwriter than I am a performer. Um, where if could I was people meet known, you if they were so inclined? What's that? Where could people meet you? Where could they meet me? Well, Now that FC is over. now that fc is over i will be uh retreating into my dark room and never coming out again um (laughs) i don't know i I don't make plans that far in the future i may go to ac i doubt i will go to free fiesta or fwa um but you just told us how awesome it was yeah but it's in a new hotel this year (laughs) i'll probably go to ac oh yeah those things (laughs) um any upcoming cds or projects uh so 
Yes, my next project is doing two more unsheathed bumpers because I was going to do them yesterday. Uh, and while I'm an idiot, because like I I have an electric guitar now, and I, I didn't used to play electric guitar very much. I used to play acoustic entirely. And pretty much everything I'm doing now is because I'm really into rock and dance rock, so I'm playing the electric. And there are locking tuners on the guitar, and I didn't know how to use them. So essentially, it's like this little screw nut thing in the back. And so I'm trying to change the strings because they're grimy and they're crappy, and I was going to you know restring my guitar and do everything yesterday. And I can't figure out how to get the damn string out of the peg tuner and i'm like seriously i am a freaking idiot <laughs> um so like i i get out the wire cutters because you have to have wire cutters anyway when you're stringing a guitar and i cut it in half and i pull the bottom end out because that's easy but i'm like i'm pulling so hard in the top half and everything and i'm like grabbing it by the wire cutters and i'm trying to pull on it and it's not budging or anything and then i finally get everything out and it like rips out of the the thing except there's still this little hunk in there and i'm like trying to stick like tweezers in there and like poke it out and i'm like what is the problem so you know eventually i was uh gonna take it to a guitar store but then like looked at the guitar's website and found out oh yeah it's locking tuner you have to unscrew the thing on the back and so i felt like an idiot but um <laughs> hopefully no permanent damage to the guitar uh no permanent damage no just my pride which is permanently damaged <laughs> i know we've had incidents in the past with some of the uh camera equipment we got where we didn't quite understand how it worked and ended up with little sort of extra notches in parts that move around that shouldn't necessarily have them but yeah but that's a complicated thing guitars are not complicated and like imagine you know for you guys you know you have your laptop which is your primary writing instrument and all of a sudden you forget how to type or there's some like really <laughs> normal portion you know oh, how you write. save yeah and it's like, <laughs> you, you, like you forget how to use a mouse and everything and like you need to move the cursor and you're like you're holding the up arrow and it takes you forever it's like it's something so stupid where it's like really or like what happened with my laptop where i hit some weird key combination and it turned my screen into portrait mode suddenly wow. <laughs> my screen all just went like 90 degrees flipped and, and you I, could figure out how to get it back i could not get it back oh. with the key press one time i, I had I to go to some and, and yeah. the, the sorry and the trackpad was all screwy because it wasn't tracking properly and so i had to like get to the control panel and like change the monitor settings to go back to landscape mode and i still have no clue what key combination i did that flipped it did you do the microsoft trick do you reboot no, I didn't do that. Hmm. I, I, I did this one thing where I used some key combination and it turned off my wireless adapter, and there was no software means to turn it back on. Wow! And like I rebooted it and it still would come on, and like for like I was swearing at my computer, <laughs> and then like I eventually figured out like what it was, and it was like some function key thing that I hit that just turned the wireless adapter off, and there was no way to turn it back on other than using the keyboard. Right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, we're getting back to that. Now that the guitar is very strong, I will I will be doing that. You should guys ask your fans what kind of bumper they may want, because you know we had talked about the the jokey joke Scott Pilgrim one, which I still kind of want to do because I think it's funny. But um, I can do quite a different, quite a number of different styles and everything. So um, I'll do a couple of those. They don't take very long now that I know what I'm doing. We should, um, get, we should get some we can put on like an iPod or MP3 player or something that we can play at the beginning of the live shows. That'd be kind of cool. What? We can vote for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking to the fans directly, so... I am talking to the fans directly. Ask them what kind of bumpers. Yeah, exactly, like, what style, or, like, you know, you could say, like... Give them them some choices. Yeah, like, uh, oh, well, uh, so I want to do the Scott Pilgrim one, so that's easy, so, I mean... I have a, quite a variety of software instruments and actual intr- instruments to do, so I can do a variety of styles from, you know, folk to rock to, to funk to R&B. I guess I could even do rap, but... I would probably kill you afterwards for suggesting it, um, <laughs> but I can, I can do. Here's my much new all that bumper stuff, called so. "Otters Ain't Shit." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, hold on, Kit. I have so many other questions to answer. Yes, I'm getting to the other one. Yes, that one first. Uh, so Kit is holding up pieces of paper and telling me to answer questions. So That's what a um, producer wolf does. Yes. Uh, do I have any uh, additional CDs or projects coming up? So the projects, um, you know, I'm thinking about maybe doing just a complete <clears throat> a shift in format and not actually doing strict albums in this sense anymore because the last one did not do very well. Maybe it's because I suck, but maybe it's because people just don't like to buy albums. So I was thinking Album about just sales are down <clears throat> the new digital download. Uh, uh, yeah, the, but even like in the, they're still doing better than like actual like physical media. Um, right, but singles are where it's at. Singles are where it's at and everything, but then when you do singles, then people want to hear like five different remixes and radio mixes and all kinds of stuff. And I'm not a big remixer. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, as far as albums go, we're past the point where, like, you know, it used to be unfeasible. He wouldn't pay like 10 bucks for a CD single. But it's like, well, it's like I pay $15 for like the whole album, which is like the three songs I like and the 12 that suck. Right. Like, you don't need to buy those other 12 songs anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's it's not like that for a lot of bands, I think, but I mean, it's, certainly it used to be. I yeah. think a lot of bands now are trying to focus on making a really cohesive thought yeah. from start to finish. Well, yeah, well, you kind of have to now. Or, or even concept want. albums. And, yeah, but it's like... I find I really enjoy concept albums. Personally. I think a bunch of the ones that... Uh, Kip bought a few albums recently, and I think like Arcade Fire was one mm -hmm. that has a strong concept beginning to end. Um what was the other one? My Chemical Romance My also Chemical Romance, yeah. has a sort of strong beginning to end. And, I love you know. the story behind that, too. The new album is great. And, of course, their last album before that was a concept album, too. Right. Yeah. About a guy Black dying Pride. from cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Green Day's last two albums. Green Day's, Green Day's last two albums. Although I vastly preferred American Idiot. Sorry. I like 21st uh, you Century. You really like 21st I've, Century. <laughs> I, I like it, and I've, I've found that... Um, it gets me... I'm so used to the music now that I still enjoy hearing it, but it also gets me into a mode to be sitting at the computer writing and mm -hmm. working and so that really helps a lot right so. i will say that i think the actual storyline portion of american idiot comes across more strongly than the story of 21st century breakdown mm -hmm. but we also just got um a friend of ours sent us the cast recording from the american idiot broadway musical how's that which is it's pretty good i've heard they, a few tracks and i like them yeah. they use a few of the 21st century breakdown tracks in it interesting and um, they still kind of keep the theme and the story from Seems like it, yeah. Hmm. I mean, 21st have, Century Breakdown still has, like, anti-establishment themes, which fit in pretty easily with American Idiot. Yeah, they, yeah it does. Yeah. They have um, they have a woman singing some of the tracks, which is... She, they, and they split up some of the parts between between them. It's kind of interesting, because, like, the guy they have singing lead sounds like Billy, Billy Joe, Joe, but he's, he's more of a polished singer. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that as a knock against either one of them. No, but it's, it's the Broadway style. He's just more like, you know, where... The, where it's most noticeable is when you know Billy Joel sings fucking lies <laughs> this guy's like fucking lies <laughs> and uh, so it's it's a little jarring when you hear it for the first time but it's still a good interpretation of the song that's cool it's, it's pretty cool oh yeah so go back to the format change so I'm thinking about maybe just offering everything for free and then just doing things on a donation basis so basically you know making all the, the music available for free and everything and just basically telling people hey you know um I appreciate the fact that you're fans of my music. Please disseminate it freely. But uh, if you want to donate, uh, that does help me, you know, give additional Purchase funds towards additional and, purchases. Yeah. Maybe they'll pay to TS with you. Uh, probably not, but thank you for the, the plug. I appreciate Cam is, is trying to come up with his own sort of business. A to, business yeah, model. Your business, business model? model to, yeah. Oh, well, I get it, though. That makes sense, right? Because that it's like you can TS, week. you know, with an established author, so you could be better than everybody else. Well, but he could also offer TS sessions with some of the characters from his stories. Ooh, oh, wow. I hadn't thought of that. That is cool. Wow, that, that actually had not crossed my mind. I just That's thought everyone wants a piece model. of otter. And, you know, if you want to license, 
um, there's a few characters in some of my stories that I'm <laughs> pretty sure that I would feel comfortable licensing you to portray in a role play setting. Wow. And, if, and if this takes off, I will develop and offer a TS training correspondence course. <laughs> I, will, I will offer helpful pointers and editing on your poses. Cam okay, Hirasaki's uh, porn college. <laughs> <laughs> What's the degree? <laughs> I have a, you have a TS. <laughs> we have to figure out what it stands for. I kind of like a BS and TS. A ti- BS a, and TS? A, a, like, like a TS. A like TS a, and TF? Like a, like, a, like a typers of science or something. <laughs> a typers, a of, typers science. of salaciousness. Typers of, <laughs> typers of sex. Well, yeah, well, the S already stands for sex, though. Well, yeah. Welcome to Crane Muscle Typers Cats. of seduction. <laughs> People are like, what's TS? I don't get it. Oh, no. For those of you out there that don't know, it means tiny sex. Uh, yes. Which if you don't know really what tiny sex means, it means online fucking. It means sex AKA on a, sex on a tiny mud. Yes, on a tiny, tiny mud. Yes. Which is yes. The very, one of the very first social platforms. Because yes. as soon as someone developed a social platform online, people were using it to have sex. And you were paying homage to the boundless creativity of the human race in its pursuit of sex play that by is, using the term TS. That is that is the best part about the human race is that no matter how technologically advanced or logically advanced we become, we will always use everything new we discover to find out how to have sex with it. Yes. Or make sex better <laughs> exactly. with it. Prostitution exactly. is the world's oldest profession. Well, I, have a, I have a friend who, who claims and can argue persuasively that um, most technological advancements of the human race were driven by porn. Awesome. I don't doubt it. There's also the the school of thought in psychology that like almost ninety five percent of everything we're driven to do, at the root of it, is, is sex as a motivator. Well, yeah. So well, I mean, I mean look at this podcast. I will have had. Yeah, at, I mean, at FC, mean that you've already had that I've already had. We'll have again, yes. which was so great with Colson. Yes, you know, it was hot. It, it's all about getting fans by writing well and doing a podcast and just get that's, a sweet, sweet play. That that's all going to be released as episode sixty nine B. By the way, all the things that we learned together in, in the team correspondence course and when we were beta testing it yeah. we used live and uh, it translated pretty well so I, I, I mean like the macro like otter muscle transformation is kind of hard to pull off in real life it but is. it was still hot to imagine yes the imaginatory real life yeah. actual happening <laughs> sex it's like if real life were Scott Pilgrim we could do this if we could level up <laughs> <laughs> I think then you need to uh, include fur fragged in some of this oh yes. that's true he's into that Wow. Uh, wow. So let's. Uh, there were other things in there. Hold those up again. Yeah, he wanted. Uh, we were asking about Camp Farrell because at Camp Farrell, yes, I was the the GOH, aka the guest of honor last year for Farrell. Uh, it was a good time. Uh, the weather was not cooperative, and it was cold as hell. Um, a couple it's Canada. It's Canada, but it's 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 so not well. It's not early in the year, but it's it's early enough in the year in early September that it. Potentially could be very nice. Um, the couple of days when I first got there, they had their hottest days of the year, which I went to the Toronto Zoo and just sweated my balls off. Um, 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 hot days there. are great to go to the zoo, too, because the animals are all just lying around doing nothing. So, Well, they were. Um, yeah. They were probably like, what the fuck, it's Canada. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it, uh, it all balanced out later, because you know when we get to the con of the part that matters that you want to have good uh, weather at, it rained pretty much the entire freaking time. We had... Very little bit of slivers of uh, sun coming out, so I don't. This all sounds like really negative and like don't go to Feral, it'll rain. <laughs> um, but um, apparently, weather is always an adventure for Feral. But uh, we had a good time. I had a good time. It was an interesting experience. I'm glad that I went. Um, I did meet a lot of very nice people. Everybody that runs the con is is very very cool. They're all super awesome. They are all super awesome. It is a very well run con. 
maybe one of the best ones that there is as far as you know staff knowing what they're doing so um yeah i will say for when we were at feral um we a we barely saw any of the staff the whole time they were all super busy but b they were telling us afterwards at like the dead dog party um oh yeah this thing happened and this thing happened and this thing happened and we we're like really we never heard anything yeah, about I had it no idea yeah all I know is that uh, many, many, many years ago, one of my friends was telling me about when they had the contest to see how many people they could fit into a single shower. Well. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Oh, wow, I just derailed this with sex. Oh, wow. snap. Oh, no. Well, uh, Kit and I might try to go back next this this year. This year. Yeah, did you hear who the guest of honor is? We did. Yeah. It's funny because they usually have two guests of honors, and now they just have one. Oh, wait, it's still two. <laughs> <laughs> So they are they are an entity. What about those news? Are you talking about mine? They're not new. Are you serious? They're new to you. They're they're copies of James's work. <laughs> they're not though. I mean, it's a slightly different style, but yeah, I, I do love these shoes. I have the Pumas. I'm probably gonna have to cut that bit. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably gonna have to cut that bit. You're like, look at these things you can't see. Um, let's just say about our let's just say that uh, to you to those of you listening out there my shoes are amazing and now you want to have sex with me thank you um, and the shoes that you will have seen at further confusion yes if you're there yes thank you Dunry, but let's uh, mm-hmm. hmm. no uh, so we had this question so to we read have a question to read <laughs> let's get to it from uh, Cluffy Cluffy Folly who actually was my 1000th Twitter follower this past weekend yeah, he Being, what, pr- what price did he win uh, he won me following him back Wow, Ooh, that doesn't usually happen. No. <laughs> I think Kyle's too good to follow. If you go to Kyle's page and everything and you look at the ratio from followers to... Uh, followee. Followee. You gotta be kind of special. Let's just put it that way. Kyle's like, I'm too busy writing you guys new books to read yeah. a thousand people's Twitter feeds. Who are you? I don't care. Get out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're not supposed to be able to see that. I know. Isn't it funny But you can do that? You can generally find out the douche quotient by just looking at you know how many people follow someone versus how many people they follow back, and you can get a relative idea if they're a friendly person. <laughs> Not a friendly person. Uh, I think like I only follow 122, and I have like close to 1,000 followers. For, for the record, Colton was pointing to himself when he said that, but he could have also been pointing to me or KM, I think, for that matter. Yeah. Um, I actually don't have a big Twitter base. I have but like you don't, a you don't fifth really, of either of yours. You don't really follow that many people either, do you? No. I have a suggestion. Just tweet about sex constantly like I do, and you'll have a lot more followers. Yeah. So, but when I do, I get, like, really dumb comments in return. What, do you think I don't? Yeah, <laughs> Are you point. serious? <laughs> like, I should, like, I should accidentally, like, fake DM you to my public feed, like some sort of, like, like TSDM. Yeah. Those do happen quite often. I'm looking at you, Lace. Uh <laughs> Anyway, uh, dear Kyle, Cam, Kit, Coulson, and Don Rio, uh, who doesn't count because he's off being a Super Saiyan somewhere else, since this episode is going to be split amongst the various creative arts, I have some questions which I hope to encroach upon all of your domains. First off, where do you tend to look for inspiration when writing lyrics or a story? I often find myself staring off with a vague idea of where I want to go, but I always end up stopping after the first few lines, having lost momentum. I grew up fairly sheltered, so I don't have any personal experiences to draw on. I'm sure that's not true, Cluffy. Uh, Which is what most people have already advise me to start with also when writing a story how much do you think the main plot arcs can stand out from the rest of the narrative before it starts to seem like two books with one cover and is it a bad thing if you have multiple independent arcs so long as they converge at some point anyhow thank you for taking your time out to guide and advise your fans i hope it remains as fun for y'all to record as it is for us to listen regards cluffy 
Uh, Clough is also a musician. I don't know if you're aware of him. But I am aware of him. Okay, he, is a, he is a fine, upstanding gentleman who frequently comments on my FA. So awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and yes, I'm sure that the, that saying you have no personal experiences to draw on is false. Everybody has personal experiences. Whether or not you think that they're interesting is entirely up to you. And they may differ in degree. Like, you may not be the person who was brought up in Beirut and, you know, woke up to your house being shelled one day and had to run across the border hiding and, you know, had to deal with a war or the person who was abandoned and, you know, brought up in an orphanage and had to make their own way in the world from the age of 10 and and whatnot. But you've still had personal experiences. You've had triumphs and disappointments and whether it was like, you know, this was the summer that I read more books than anyone else, or I read more books than ever before, and I discovered this, and it meant great things to me. Or, you know, this was the summer when I fell down and twisted my ankle, and I couldn't go to the hopscotch picnic the next day. You know, it's funny. <laughs> like, hopscotch? <laughs> when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you mentioned Beirut, I had another, like, gray muzzle cast moment, because I was like, remember when they used to call it the Lebanon? Wow. What? The, yeah. The Lebanon? They used they to call it the Lebanon. Well... The the is gone now. It's another. It's kind of another gray muzzle thing, anyway, because I, it used to be like war torn Beirut. Yeah, and now there's other war zones yeah. that. Are you, I don't think I've heard Lebanon attention. in the news in like a long time. Do you I'm that? sure it's still not. Oh yeah, there, I, it wouldn't be my first choice of places to move. <laughs> what would be your first choice? Uh, if I had to move, yeah. where would I want to go? Oh, that's a. Who? You well, opened up that back one. home. Back home to uh, Edo, right? <laughs> Edo hasn't existed in several hundred years. Well, <laughs> they call it Tokyo now. Hush. <laughs> I've been reading David. Uh, I, w- I would not want to live in Tokyo. Actually, Tokyo is just so. It's like the L.A. of Japan. It's just like ah, uh, all the time. Yeah, but there's nice parts to L.A. Yeah, um, but I wouldn't want to live LA. there either. Like I like to visit it, but I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah, I don't know. I live. You live along sort of West L.A., Santa Monica, along the beach. That's some pretty nice area right there. You know, Cancun, I could, I could probably stand and just sit on the beach and write for the rest of my life. Yeah, following up on last week's podcast, anywhere yeah. that's nice, temperate, and cheap. Uh, yeah, there are like a bunch of places that like would be on my list, but I've never been there, so I can't say for sure. Like, I'd, I've never been to Australia, but I've always wanted to go there. Mm-hmm. And not just because we have so many great listeners there. Which we do. Who bring us Australian Coke Zero? Yeah, and Australian wine. No. Oh. You're drinking an American one. TJ got me an Australian I can, Shiraz. I can taste the sadness. <laughs> but yeah, so to the actual question about yeah, so inspiration where do you, some more. Where um, do you look for inspiration for lyrics? You're, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you know, um, there was a quote that I think I've recently seen, but I, I remember reading it before, <clears throat> that pretty much all songs fall under one of two things, love or loss. <clears throat> and it's always, you know, sometimes they're combined. So, even a lot of my songs are about love and loss. So, you know, I went through a breakup about, uh, geez, it's like two or three years now, um, of my seven-year relationship. And, uh, you know, a lot, the entire al- first album that I did, every single song was about that. Um, uh, several songs from the second album was not necessarily about this, you know, him specifically, but um, we're all, all, you know, about the same subject. Um, you know, recently, it's just been... Mm, Again, this is this is different from you know how you draw upon personal experiences, but I, I can speak to that later. But 
uh, is the way that I kind of write songs. Remember, they're microcosms for if you're writing a short story or or a novel or anything that's you know requires a lot more in depth uh, planning when you're in in the planning stages and starting to you know think about a story. But just starting with just a kind of a tag phrase or you know something pops in my head in the shower. It's just a single line or even just a song title, and I structure the entire lyrics around that. And I always start out thinking, well, this is going to be about nothing, but it always ends up being about something, which is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Um, so something that um, we heard about, and I think I've talked about it multiple times, but I had heard that the best pop songs, the lyrics kind of have to not make a lot of sense. That it's good, it's, it's more important that they sound good than that they mean something Right, absolutely, and I do agree with that. And there's a lot of people that ask me, you know, how do you come up with lyrics that, you know, do that? And the thing is, I actually don't. Um, (laughs) A lot of times, my lyrics uh, are open to so much interpretation that I love it when people comment and they're like, well, this means this, and someone will comment, and they'll be like, no, it means this. And I'm like, actually, you're all wrong. But... (laughs) <clears throat> I mean, but how, to them it does mean but to that. Them, but, to, but to them it does mean that. So, um, and I think that's a hallmark of a great lyric is something that is open to interpretation. When it comes to music and musicality, uh, if it's going to work for you know pop and rock, you need to worry about the cadence more than the fact that it rhymes or does the lyric actually make sense. One of the coolest songs in existence, and I forget the dude's name that wrote it too. But it's called The Riddle. Everybody knows the song The Riddle, right? No. Was wow. That, uh, was that Nick Kershaw? Might be, yeah. I forget the dude's name. It's kind of a one-hit wonder. Um, <clears throat> basically, the the riddle, wa- the, the actual lyrics of the song that he has for the riddle are garbage, and they mean nothing. But everybody, for years and years and years after he wrote it, were basically trying to find out, what the hell does this guy mean? You know, and everybody kind of exposed on, you know, well, here's the meaning of the song. It comes out, you know, like, way later, like 20 years later, when he's talking on the production notes. These are garbage lyrics that he wrote just to sing over it and get a cadence for how he wanted to write the actual lyrics. But the takes were so good and it sounded so good with the music, they kept it. <laughs> but his, his original intention was to just write garbage lyrics that just fit the cadence for the, for the music and then go back and rewrite them, but they never did. That is also true of uh, The Look by Roxette. The actual verses were just placeholder garbage lyrics. That's why nobody knows how to sing the verses of the look. You know, you, everybody yeah. sings all along to the course, and then it's walking like a man, heading like a hammer. She's a juvenile scam. Never was a quitter. Tasty like a raindrop. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like listening to Al City. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but oh, there are so many people who like Al City, but it's like. Oh my god, I gotta show you this, uh, there's a YouTube video of this guy that makes fun of him, and he's just, uh, say, one of his lines is, I'm just singing random words, and my singing, my sitting posture's really bad, and he's like doing this while playing his piano, and it looks just like one of his videos too, it's classic, but, um, oh Another the, podcast I listened yeah. to was trying to do a literal interpretation of the lyrics to Hello Seattle, it was hilarious. Oh, that sounds great. The, um, when, uh, one of the stories from when Paul McCartney was writing yesterday, he was just working on the tune, and he didn't have any lyrics for it, so the lyrics he kept singing were, Scrambled Eggs. <laughs> <laughs> and he would just like sing about his breakfast until... Scrambled the, Eggs, the band, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the band manager came up and was like, Okay, Paul, you need to write different lyrics for this song. <laughs> it's great. Scrambled Eggs, Scrambled Eggs. <laughs> Do we have to pay royalties for that? No. Okay, good. No, we didn't... Yeah, as far as taking inspiration, I actually get a lot of inspiration from song lyrics. My brain will hitch onto like a single lyric of a song, and I will turn that into a story idea. I've done that more times than I can recall. Well, for most of the time that I was, uh, as as mentioned earlier, for most of the time that I was writing Isolation Play, um, I was listening to 21st Century Breakdown, 
which is why um, the fifth part of the book is called The Static Age. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> um, no, but there's nothing in there really from the, the songs, and I don't... I don't get as much inspiration from song lyrics. I did a couple short stories recently, and I think a lot of my inspiration for stories comes from characters and situations. So I'll put the characters into... I'm like, I know this is what's going on, and I'm going to see what comes out of it. But I always have things in my head about... And and this, I think, plays back to what you said, Colson, about they start out being about nothing, but always end up being about something. Because we all have these experiences, and so I always find something in a situation that I want to speak about and the stories end up being about that and then a lot of times I have to go back to the beginning and change things slightly because now I understand what I was writing about but right. um, but yeah that's how that's I think how this is probably go to for, for, for writing uh, just you know stories as well as you know lyrics to a song is that everybody thinks that I don't know if everybody thinks this, but they probably think that there's more development that goes into hand before you start putting pen to paper and just start trying things. So you always have this like central tenement or idea or something that you want to convey, or maybe you have a scene from an entire novel, just one in your head, and you write that, and you build blocks off of that. No one ever has a complete idea from start to finish right when they sit down and start. Nobody does that. No. Everybody has maybe, and everybody does things differently. Maybe they have a general outline of what they want to do, but like for me, when I start, you know, I have a title or I have one line and I just build off of that and many times the meaning changes as I write it and I I figure out while I'm writing and just something randomly comes to me like uh, for instance I was writing um, um, I Need a Cape Crusader which is a a title track off of my uh, my second album which is another single Um, and it's about a guy um, who is constantly tired of taking care of other people and, and helping other people through their problems. He feels like a superhero, so he's asking for a superhero because it's come to the point where he's actually going to commit suicide because he can't handle everything. Mm-hmm. He's standing on the top of a building. Um, it did not start out being that way. Um, in fact, I don't even remember what the original was supposed to be, but it was basically going to be, uh, I don't know, him asking for a superhero for some completely other different reason. Sex. Um, Sex. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we're, all, we're tying it back. So, I need a superhero so I can get completely laid. Um, Which was actually like almost a cover of a Bonnie Tyler song. You know? yeah. Oh, man, I got the flash. <laughs> uh, so, my recommendation is don't be afraid to start writing something. It doesn't have to be perfect at the, at the beginning, and you're going to change it. Yeah. You're going to yeah, change like it. With, exactly uh, right. with Summerhill, that whole story came from how do I get a two-legged dog person to have a ballroom dance with a waitress aboard an interdimensional cruise ship. That was my initial mental image for that story, What's up, Doctor if you can Who? believe it. <laughs> Everyone compares the story to Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, but there's a second part of that question, which we need to get to as well. Yes, there about is. multiple story arcs in a novel narrative? That is absolutely I possible. I think that's fine if you can, yeah. if you can keep track of them and like... Look not- at Kyle's own Shadow of the Father. Mmm... There you go. And, yeah, and not like lose track of one for too long, and yeah. so that when you come back to it, I mean, they they all have to kind of keep fresh. And the actually the David Mitchell book that I was recently uh-huh. reading, A Thousand Autumns of Jacob Dezout, um, he has several plot lines going on at once, and separates the book out into sections so that you're one plot line comes to a good resting point before you go on to some of the other ones. Yeah. But they've never, you never, you keep, you keep the tension between them, but yeah. you never feel like any of them is being also favored. 
Look at The Empire Strikes Back. After the initial setup of the movie with the Battle of Hoth, Luke goes off to learn the Jedi ways from Yoda, while Han Solo and Princess Leia are on the run from the Empire. Those are two completely separate plot lines. The characters don't even cross paths again until the end of the movie. I have an example of when I sure. think it's going overboard, and you may disagree with me. It is a great, it's a great series, it's a great book, um, but if... Everybody out there has read His Dark Materials, Philip Pullman? Yeah. The first one. So, the third book. The third book, when you have the introduction of the Muffalettas, or I forget, and that's a sandwich, but what the hell their name is. The, yeah, the, the anthropologist with the wheeled yes. critters, the wheeled elephants. I forget her, Dr. Watson or Dr. Mary. Dr. Or, Mary something. Yeah, Dr. Mary something. Anyway, there's this like third subplot, which is kind of explaining how something is working in the background that's part of the universe, and it's cool to understand, but this woman has like no bearing, and everything that she does in this little subplot has no bearing on the rest of the story, and really at the end like has this really cheesy tie and it doesn't even add anything to the story i feel no i agree um i think that's when you're going overboard so you just want to make sure that if you're going to do multiple arcs i think you should probably want them to tie in a little sooner or at least have an indication that they're probably going to like a little indication for the reader to dawn like oh yeah i guess this is connected well the the other way you could do it and i think that the problem that he had with that is you can you can start out with one story and then split off into multiple arcs once the reader knows the characters involved, and which is, you know, your Empire Strikes Back example. The readers already knew Luke and Han and Leia from right. Star Wars, so you can have each of them have a separate adventure, and yeah. the reader's going to be like, cool, that's fine. Yeah. Um, my sort of counterexample, when I was 10 years old, and again, this is going to be heresy to some of the people on the podcast, but I read Lord of the Rings, and... That is heresy. Stop I was reading. like... I, <laughs> I followed it all through Fellowship of the Ring, and I was like, this is cool, this is super cool, I want to see the ring and the monsters and everything. And then when they all split up, I was like, I only care about Frodo and Sam. I started following the rest of them, and I was like, oh, they're going and they're talking to this king, and there's this thing happening in this hall, and the riders of Rohan, I have no idea where this is, and what is happening with Frodo and Sam? Why do I have to wade through all of this crap before we get back to that? And I didn't. I wasn't invested enough in the characters in the world of this other yeah. plot to to really care. That's about why it. the Narnia books always trip me up at the silver chair because I'm like, why do I suddenly care about Eustace and Jill? Right. Where are the rest of the kids? Like, and if you give it a chance, it's a good story. It is, and I think the themes that the book covers like are really cool. But like when you're like a preteen yeah. and you're reading those books for the first time, like you're you like, can't appreciate she? like the subtleties of writing. You're like, where are like the four children that I've been following for the first three books? They and he didn't saved. make he didn't make Eustace a uh, strong enough character in the third book to have him be able to carry an entire no he was he was a good side character in the first book and like you know i think his arc in the third book was good but he wasn't leading cast material no he wasn't strong enough to carry the book yeah anyway so that's our answer for that anything else to add on this one? i have nothing else to add do you want to uh do you want to read the next one, or do you want to read sure. Pyro's letter? I can, I can read the next one. All right, I'll read Pyro's letter. Dear Sheathers, I recently noticed a problem with my reading habits during my regular perusal of the writing sites I patronize. At some point in the not too... Hi, Candrel. Hi, exactly. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I'm glad you said it. At some point in the not-too-distant past... Candrel was cool at FC. We got to hang I've out simply with become bit. so fed up with fan fiction that I simply have no interest in it anymore. Pokemon, Digimon, Lion King, Star Fox... Mewtwo, Tentacruel, Aerodactyl. I don't care which widely publicized world it inhabits anymore. I if really it's not the author's own creation, then I'm simply not interested. 
I've tried, I swear I have, even to the point of having written some fanfiction myself. I think that sometime recently, some tiny part of my childhood has finally breathed its last stuttering gasp. Well, at least he's not being too dramatic about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yet in the same breath as I say that, there are stories I love with characters still clearly inspired by the same fanficted world that is uncanny. I continue to enjoy these stories even though the connection is clear because the authors made an effort to take the inspiration and craft their own work with it. This leads me to my question. Where do you draw the line between being the character and being clearly inspired by? Do you two have characters that were cut from the same mold as some other we may readily recognize, but given your own twist to make them unique, and by extension your own? As always, Condrell the flummoxed philetist. How's he flummoxed? I don't know, he, but like, did he considering that, how to give a blowjob, I'll show him. Con- considering <laughs> that by the time this email airs, I will have met you in person. I'm curious about your self confidence and your blowjob giving skills as well. <laughs> I'll judge. Well, he's always he's always been the he's been very blowjobby fox. Yes, blowjobby fox. Yeah, the, I, need a, I need a bumper sticker with it. That can, you can put that in your wix, blowjobby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but what if you put oral in there? Then you're just being redundant. Oh, no, maybe um, you like, like anything oral goes, girls. then you list everything else in the Wix. It's like, no, you put anything goes, which means you don't need anything else. That kind of covers every base. I, I really hate it when people do that. I saw somebody who wrote, just like, who used the custom flag and just wrote, the Wix is insufficient. Wow. Yeah. Nice. That is, I don't know what to say to that. Although, like, if you look, like, I remember the first time I looked at the full list of, like, flags on the Wix on Tapestries, and, like, there were some things I'm like, no, you made that up. You made that up to shock people. Like what? Uh, like, things that I've since come to realize they didn't make up, like mummification. No, that's a real thing I learned. No, that's just being restricted. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, Wow, and having your organs removed? Well, you know what's funny is that... (laughs) Uh, there are I've, people who are into that too. I have well, never, yeah. yeah, but I've never seen mummification fetish explained that way. It's always basically just you are it's restricted completely. Movement. Movement. Yeah, okay, gotcha. yeah. There are like like human sized saran wrap machines you can get. So hot. Anyway, Condrill's question. <laughs> uh, um, fanfic, yeah. yay or nay? Um, well, so yeah. I think I think one of the one of the best illustrations of this is um, Terry Brooks' sort of Shannara. <laughs> Which is <laughs> already laughing. Well, which is quite clearly um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I mean, I've only read like one of the books, so well, I'd- I read the first one, and the interesting thing was, it was quite clearly um, a almost a retelling of Lord of the Rings with different characters and, and a different item, but at the same time he put a lot of care into the characters themselves and he later followed it up with sequels and the characters grew into their own world. So I'm not sure where that first one would follow. I know a lot of people made fun of it because they were like, doesn't even not have an original idea, but he later developed it further. And, um, and so I think that's kind of what Kendrell's talking about. Um, I'm not really sure. Otherwise, I mean, if you, if you make the characters your own, as in a way other than just like changing the names, changing the yeah ethnicity or whatever, and like I kind of want to as a good example, I want to bring up Kurosawa, who bases a lot of his films on the works of Shakespeare, mm. and it's not like oh you're ripping off Shakespeare. It's like he is clearly doing an homage 
to Shakespeare and just changing the setting and giving his own like unique twist on it. Right. So he's changing. He's taking the story. Right. If not, well, in some cases, the characters. Yeah, I mean, like the, their names obviously aren't the same because they're all Japanese now. But oh, well, except the Seven Samurai was based on that cowboy film, right? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> But no, like you've got like Throne of Blood, which is Macbeth, and you've got Ron, which is King, King Lear. Lear. Yeah, um, I know there's more. Hidden Fortress. What? Ah, Hidden Fortress with Star Wars. <laughs> yes, yes, you had to bring it back to Star Wars. Well, I did it for you. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that I've. I mean, I've written some fan fictions, but I don't think I've written any stories that were kind of taken from another story, and then I just changed things around a bit. No, um, me neither. Uh, I've also written fan fiction. Surprise, I wrote Star Wars. Um, <laughs> nobody would have guessed that. Uh, <laughs> what species was Han Lolo? No, Did you? I didn't write furry Star Wars. Well, I, I write things that aren't about animals. Then why do we care? Well, actually, <laughs> and a, a, a good point. Actually, Star Wars isn't a bad example of this because the Star Wars universe exists being told by other authors and other creators who are not George Lucas. And so doing a better job it's almost like licensed fan fiction. Like, hey, oh yeah, will you write it a totally story is. that's in this setting with these characters that you didn't create? And like, you know, some of the Star Wars books are not so great, and some of the Star Wars books are really good. And your mileage may vary on which authors you prefer and which ones you don't like. But I mean, that's a case where like, you know, like some people, you know, do have a good grasp of writing a character they didn't create, and they can tell a convincing story. And, like, in this case, like, there's certain lines like, yes, like, I believe that, like, you know, in this situation, this is what, like, Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia would do. Like, because, like, you know, you have written them faithful to the character in a situation that you have created uniquely. And, like, I think that that's perfectly valid. And I think there's a difference in fan fiction between, like, what would happen if, I'm trying to remember what the plot of some of uh, Cassie Clare's Harry Potter fan fiction was. Oh, God. Um, but it all yeah. had to do with Draco. Like, yeah, you know, it was all Draco. What if Draco's family put him into a position that tested his loyalty to the dark arts and made him realize that he... Well, actually, what happens is he switches identities with Harry like in the very beginning, and so they get a taste of each other's lives. Like, What would happen if that happened? Yeah. There's a difference between that and um, what would happen if Simba had sex with me? <laughs> that's true I mean those are different kinds of fan fiction stories what would happen if Fox well, ate you know, Falco if Simba had sex with you he probably wouldn't have ever gotten together with Nala and you know the no, this would be after it would be after yeah you know because so Nala's his beard then the, then the pride falls into major chaos and we end up with a situation like we did when Scar was in charge way to go idiot but why are you yeah, having sex you... with an animal that's not even native to this continent god yeah. And then additionally, we'll probably eat Did you read the done. script, too? <laughs> <laughs> what's that over there? Is that the script? <laughs> hey, guys, what's going on in the thread? <laughs> I like where the thread is going. <laughs> Bump. Um, <laughs> so, I don't know if that... I don't know if that there's some, anything comparable in music, like doing cover versions, or is it permissible? I mean, if you do a cover, it's it's okay to do a cover because it's kind of like your interpretation of the if original. If you do a cover, but- you should never do it exactly like it was done before. You're just like, well, I played the instrument parts and I just sang it exactly like he did. What's the point? Right. Although I've yeah. done plenty of those. Um, but, uh... <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you need better carriage? What's going on here? Am I, am I slumping don't underneath slump. the, uh... Kit's very concerned about your posture. And your muzzle positioning. Ah. Uh, yeah. Um... Was I not getting picked up good? Oh, I know. Kit. I'm slumping. I like to slump. 
To address a specific anyway. thing. Oh, yeah. Are, were, <laughs> no. were you still making it's a point? Uh, I don't remember. Position. Oh. What? Oh, covers. Um, covers. Yeah. Uh, so, there's no such thing as an original idea in music. Uh, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to put it out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. There's no such thing as an original idea in music. It's been done before. Or it has been done in a slightly different fashion with maybe slightly different instruments. But whatever you're doing, if you're trying to be original, high broken bells. Um, guess what? Someone else has done it before. They've probably done it better. Oh, what's the Australian band that did that song where it's like every major pop song ever? Oh, that's... Oh, uh, right, right. What are, the, what are those guys? They were a comedy um, troupe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the, uh, the uh, Axis of... Axis of Awesome. Axis of Awesome. Yeah. Right. And three, three chords off. The three chords. Yeah, three yeah. chords off. Uh, the don't, start, don't Stop Believing. Right. And that, yeah. they were not the first pe- people to even do that. You know, there's actually there was another one before that. Wow. Yeah, uh, and I don't remember what it was, but I I know for a fact that I've seen one well before they did theirs. Um, but uh, when it comes down to uh, creating an original idea from something that's like something else, uh, you just got to put your own spin on it. I mean, there's small differences that make all the world. So it doesn't. You can take uh, you know a style from someone, and you know, well, the guy's singing like Maroon Five, but you know, if your instrument backing track is a little different, then guess what? You're not Maroon Five. It's still okay. There's no yeah. original idea of music. Everyone is always going to yeah. sound like someone else. It's like you know, or, and yeah. the same thing in writing. You're, you're gonna for people who are really into critiquing writing, people are always going to say you write like someone else, or they're going to compare you to someone yeah. else. It's like Kyle and I both write stories about gay animal people doing whatever, but other than that, like our writing is pretty different, right? But I think probably- even the whatevers are pretty similar. There's not much. There's not a whole lot. I mean, like, yeah. I, and by which, I, yeah, by which I mean, if if you were to sort of draw similarity charts, I think our stories are more similar to each other's than either of ours would be to like Fuzzwolf's. That's true. Fuzzwolf uh, goes more into the kind of the fetishy. Yeah. Play. Which is true. I was actually thinking, I'm like, oh, like, I wonder what it would be like if like, we both deliberately tried to write a story in each other's style. But I don't think I could write in your style. I think it would just turn into mine. Yeah, and I don't I don't know that they're different enough that it would be really no. that remarkable. I, mean, I do I've, think that if you put our stories side by side and didn't put our names on it, people would tell who wrote which. And actually, not just because of the content. That sounds like an awesome challenge. It should give you oh. like, like a two-page short story or three-page. Something wouldn't take you very long. And basically, the exact same plot, the exact same characters, now write the story. And just see if people can tell. And which see if is people which. can, yeah, and just like read an excerpt from it. We and could see post if them up. Could actually we we could it. post them up on the. I think that would be hilarious to, to wow. find out. Wow, we that I, I I will do that. That if you will do right. that. That yeah. sounds yeah. like it would be really actually very challenging to determine. Yeah. So, do you want to come up with the story idea right now on the fly? Yeah, give us yeah. two characters. Well, we'll, we'll uh, by the end of the podcast, yeah. okay. we'll, we'll, we have a letter to read, which is more directed at us, which I just wanted to read because it was timely, so you can think about it. All right. Um, did you have any more comments on that? Uh, yeah, just about the thing where Kendra was like, oh, like, I'm done with fan fiction. Uh, one of the things there is, I mean, fan fiction sort of hit its boom over the last decade. And, like, it used to be, like, yeah, Harry Potter was the big catalyst for it. Like, fan fiction used to be this weird niche thing, and now it's everywhere. And so it just sort of follows, like, Sturgeon's Law, where, like, there is more of it, therefore there is more bad examples of it. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's going to be more bad fan fiction because there's just more fan fiction. I mean, I'm sure there's still good fan fiction out there. I don't really read fan fiction anymore either because, like, I don't know if it's because I grew out of it or if because I just have enough stuff to read that, you know, I can be assured it has been professionally vetted on some level. Right. You know? Okay. Um,. Our third letter is from our good friend Pyro, who listened to our challenge finally. Dear Bastards, <laughs> first of all, the He's Spanish Civil me. War? Really? Come on. 
God, now I have to research the setting so I can at least make it somewhat true to life. And Pablo Picasso, too. Good Lord, you did not make this easy now, did you? But that's not why I sent you this email. I sent you this email because at the moment I'm helping out a fellow writer on a one-to-one basis. Now, he's posted a story, asked me to look it over, and I was less than positive. I've been trying to help him out and have given him a number of pointers and advice on how to do so. The problem is that he's admitted to me that he does not like some of the suggestions I've given him and has said that he's going to put them into the story anyway. Now, my questions are these. Is this a problem? Have I perhaps overstepped the bounds of an editor? I don't think I have, but I don't want to stifle his voice in favor of mine. If he's chafing at some of the suggestions I've made, will his voice suffer for it? Regards, Fern uh, Pyro. P.S. You guys are still bastards. Pyro, if you want to change your name, you don't need our permission. If you don't want to be called Pyro anymore, you can come up with a name. I promise you can. Yeah, I think we talked about that last week, too, didn't we? Yes. What's the Fern? Is it Furnace? It's going to start. It, it, it was leading into Furnace Hemingway, I believe. Furnace, yeah, Furnace, Furnace Hemingway. Hemingway, right. That's yeah. right. Um, first of all, it wouldn't be a challenge if it was easy. So, yeah. um, and secondly, no, you have not overstepped your bounds, and your friend is, uh, you know, just as you are not yeah. obliged to um, restrain your feedback. Your friend is not obliged to take any of your feedback, and you know, you if it if it is bothering you that much it um it may be that you just say okay you know clearly you and i have different ideas about what constitutes a good story and yeah. i probably shouldn't edit for you in the future because i'm just going to keep telling you to change these things and you're not going to do it yeah i mean you say that oh he doesn't like your suggestions but he's doing it anyway and and i don't know enough about this person like is he doing this out of spite is he doing it to be petulant is he doing it because he just trusts that you know what you're talking about and he doesn't? I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons why this might be the case. Maybe, like, you know, is he a new writer who's not used to taking criticism, but he's like, well, you're the editor, so I'll take your word for it? Or he's like, well, fine, if you think it's going to make it better, I'll do it, and then when I post it, you can see how wrong you were. I mean, like, these are different things. And and yeah, not I, knowing that, it kind of changes, you know. I get the feeling that it's it's stuff like, you know, he might have told him, don't introduce the character this way because that makes the story weaker. And the guy's like, no, but I like doing it that way, so I'm going to do it anyway. Um, that it's just sort of differences of opinion on what makes a good writer. And, you know, again, without knowing who the other writer is, we can't really say too much more about it. But the, you can, the you whole... Go on. I was going to say, the whole editor-reader, editor-writer thing is an agreement. The reader agrees, or the writer agrees, I'm going to give this work to you and you tell me what you think about it, and you tell me honestly what you think I should change. And the editor says, I'm going to tell you this, and you do with it whatever you want. It's just one person's feedback. Um, I don't know what else to say. You just get like a big rubber stamp that just says, this is crap. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it sounds... If it sounds like it's getting to the point for you where you might just want to say, okay, clearly I'm not the right editor for you, so yeah. we shouldn't work together anymore. Uh, you know, make sure you don't don't be a jackass about it, but mm. just say, you know, no hard feelings, but I'm going to continue to give you this advice, and if you're going to continue to ignore it, then, um, then you know, that's it's just going to keep coming up, and it's probably not worth continuing to associate. Um, one of the questions which Kip brings up, a good question is, um, do you know what he's trying to do with the story? And a whole thing about stifling another writer's voice 
it's a it is a good worry to have as an editor, but you want to know what is the writer trying to accomplish with the story? What feeling are they trying to convey? And then you can tell them, well, I am not getting that feeling from the story. I am not getting this effect that you're trying to create from the story. Foos and I have had like huge long discussions about one minor phrase that I threw into a paragraph and he was all like, what do you mean by this? Do you mean this to be sexy? And so we've had this this long, long, long yeah. ongoing thing. For the for the first year of my working on Summerhill, the question was, what are you trying to do with this? And the answer was, I don't know. <laughs> now I'm pretty sure I know what I'm trying to do with it, which is a lot better. That's a good place to start with your story. Oh. <laughs> it's like poetry. <laughs> See, it happens and then it happens again. It's like rhyming. <laughs> Except the only part of it was with poetic that I was vomiting in stanzas. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, do you get people giving you feedback on your music? Are there people that you trust yeah. more than others? And Well, yes, of course. There are a lot of people that I would trust more than other people. Um, you don't have to... You know, this is the same thing goes for writing. You don't have to be an author yourself to tell when something is poorly written, right. or they're not doing a good job of conveying what you think they probably would want to do. Um, maybe if they went into more like technical aspects of writing, like you know, if you were doing poetry, you know, like you said, you know, I don't like what you did with this the stanza or something like that. You may not want to listen to a person who's you know not having done it themselves, but you don't have to be a musician to tell when something sucks or when something's out of balance. So right. you always you take may that have feedback. you may have to be to try to tell them how to fix it. Right. You may not, well, you, the, the person providing the feedback may not be able to tell that, but we can all have universal appreciation art. We can all tell when things are a little off. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's different where it's like, well, like, this song is dance rock, and I hate dance rock, so this song sucks. That is stupid. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't but I like, bet you get a lot of that. Uh, you not as much. I I get a lot of people who are saying I wish you didn't end the song that way. I'm like, but that is a stylistic choice I made, or like I didn't like that you killed off the character. Well, that was my intention. Yeah. That Sorry, I wrote the, that I wrote was high. the story. Exactly, I wrote right. the story. I'm not going to change that part. I don't understand Grow it. There. Well, it's more just like Put why would you make a, why would you make a comment like that in criticism? It's like you know, I don't like the choice you made. Well, okay. What, what's your response to that? I mean, what are you right. supposed to say? It's like, well, I didn't do that, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, how about that? <laughs> write your own song. Right. Write your own story. Exactly. And you can write say... A <laughs> <laughs> write a fanfic. Write a fanfic. Oh, there awesome. you go. Um, so, one thing that I wanted to mention real quick that I thought about earlier and then forgot, because um, you were talking about making the lyrics sound good. Mm-hmm. And I know when you're, when you're writing poetry... Every word you have to pay attention to, the cadence and the meter and the, the sound of how they sound together. And when you're writing a short story, too, um, the way that all the words flow together is really important. And again, still with a novel, I think you can spend all your time on the novel, like making sure that every single paragraph flows well like that. But I think you can also produce that effect with some key sections, like beginnings and ends of chapters. That definitely the beginning and the end of the novel, you want you want them to flow. You want them to be somewhat poetic, so that people remember certain emotional climaxes, emotional moments, and that is something that I think um, a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to. And it's why a lot of prose sounds kind of flat, and um, a lot of amateur songs just sound like. I'm just saying this because this is the first way I thought of to say this thing, and it kind of scans with the music. And mm-hmm. um, but they don't pay attention to the craft of finding different words, finding different ways to say things, and 
different ways that give different perspectives to it and that sound good. Right. That's why I think it's really important for dialogue in books. Yeah. To really have a cadence and flow. You should probably like, well, I don't know if you, I'm sure you guys don't do this, but if I were going to write dialogue, you know, I'd probably like have a conversation with myself because it's like, if it doesn't work with yourself, people wouldn't do that. So why would you write that? Oh yeah. Um, we've told people a lot, read your stuff yeah. out loud. Yeah. When you read it out loud, you find so many things. I read all of Isolation Play out loud to myself when it wasn't available. <laughs> it, didn't, it doesn't work as well. It's better if there's someone listening, but my throat couldn't really take that. I wish that somebody else were here to enjoy the male pregnancy scene with me. <laughs> oh, he was there for that one. Male pregnancy scene? Oh, yeah. You didn't know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone breaks up babies. Lot. Yeah. All right, though. And that someone is Lee. Foiga babies. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Why would you go there? Kit's telling me I can't talk anymore. <laughs> um, oh. So, do you have a... Uh, yes. Do you have a, an idea for us? Yes, and I'm going to give a stipulation. So, two characters, a setting, and something you have to focus on. So, you're not going to write the entire thing, but uh, just a little little section, because I don't. obviously you guys are very busy, and you don't have a ton of time. But basically, uh, two people at a bar... You're going to have, uh, let's say, a border collie and a rabbit. Okay. okay. Um, college age. Um, the rabbit is very annoyed with the collie and he's going to break up with them over the drinks that they're having at the bar. Uh, you need to write that dialogue and you also need to be very descriptive with a focus on the annoyance in the rabbit's face at pretty much everything that the collie rebuttals with. Okay. I can All do right. that. A breakup scene. I'll put on Greg Kin for that. <laughs> I'll read some of my stories. What's that? Uh, gender. Uh, well, since this is, you know, primarily mm, gay authors in here, and let's make it gay. Okay. okay. Gay breakup scene. Gay breakup scene. Get into my gay. <laughs> Get into my gay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I said words. <laughs> words, words, words. I feel like um, the woman with the dogs in hyperbole and a half. So... Thank you, uh, thank you again, Colson, for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Thanks again for everybody who came out at FC. We're looking forward to Furry Fiesta. Uh, it is still January. We're still ongoing with the Shorty Awards on Twitter, uh, bit.ly slash shorty. You can nominate Cam Hirosaki from Twitter or Kyle Gold from Twitter in the author category. You can also nominate... Oh, which, don't even bother. <laughs> which account for the music category? Uh, it would be Rudderbutt, but there's so many people that... Uh, against me, so don't even bother. I don't want to win awards. I don't. I'm just, eh. you know, I mean, everybody has their thing of what they want to do, and I, don't, I mean, this is not a thing about you guys. No, 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 but the thing about the nominations is it gets, it, it lets people kind of express to you why they appreciate your music. Uh, well, so. that is cool, and I would, I, I would appreciate that, sure. So, go ahead and, you know, it's uh, shortyawards.com, bit.ly slash shorty also works, and uh, you can, therefore, Follow Colson Otter as Rudderbutt on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, where are you on? F-A... Colson. Just Colson. C-O-L-S-O-N. Yeah, that's pretty simple. I nominate Rudderbutt in Felicia, because boy, howdy, can that otter sign. <laughs> <laughs> we all bring it back to sex. Yeah. 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 We could and create... If we get enough votes, we can have a fellatio category. We create I a fellatio I'm a non-flummox fellatiest. Yeah. Fellatist? Fellatist. Fellatist. We could just code word it as flautist. Flautist. And then people would think he plays the flute really well. Yeah. The skin, the skin flute. flute. Oh. <laughs> um, Kyle on FA, Kyle Gold on Twitter, Kyle Gold on Live Journal. 
Kim Hirosaki on all three of those. Our email address is unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. Write in and let us know what kind of bumper style you would like Colson to do for us. Um, J-pop was not ruled out as an option. Wow, I could totally do J-pop. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to give me some lyrics? Um, okay, I can do that. And, like, you know, tell me how to say them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just pronunciate it out. Yukodorashiri. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> That's an in joke. It, is, it okay. is the tree of life. Yes, in uh, Norse mythology. Um, I didn't know yeah, that. we were talking before the podcast about yeah. how all Japanese anime has to have some kind of reference to Norse mythology. Yes. Um, I think it's the whale fishing that oh my ties God. it in. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> it's been like a hundred years. Uh, they still do it. Well, for Norway. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and we had a listener from Norway anyway. You know they were called sperm whales because people used to think that they were covered in sperm. They're not. I don't believe that. Citation needed. <laughs> Dude, they're like covered with this sticky white stuff. Citation needed. All right. I'll get a marine biologist who is not Cosmo Kramer. Thank you. It was George. George DeSantis. Oh, you're right. It was George. Kramer was one of the the best episodes. It is. All right. Anyway. Yeah. Whether it be fan fiction or song lyrics or hot gay sex stories, good night and keep writing. (laughs)